Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Liverpool Comedy Improv Cast with me, Ian Luke Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community, and today's guest is the thought provoking and inspirational Andy Kane. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Andy's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Andy. Welcome, Andy. Hey, hey, Ian. Thanks for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to have you. So you are someone that I actually only encountered fairly recently for the first time, but you're someone that instantly lit up the screen uh, when we were in an improv session together. Well, that's very nice to hear. It was, it's been fun uh, getting to know you. Yeah, I started coming to Emma's drop-in class on a Wednesday. I know yeah. Emma, back from her Brighton days, okay. when um, she was my teacher for a little while, Ooh. and then obviously moved away. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, look, what could I do on a Wednesday night? Look, because Emma's got a class, I can just... Uh, join up to that so it's been great i'm actually originally from manchester as well so um, oh awesome it's been nice to uh, reconnect with uh, my northern roots a little bit <laughs> uh, so I, i'm just going to start by asking how did you get involved <laughs> yeah. in improv i got involved in improv there were a couple of stages first day so i'm from brighton where the may days um, are based a big um, uk improv group uh, who are great and um yeah, so the first stage was seeing them perform way okay. back in, even in their early days, and seeing it and having never seen anything quite like that before. Okay. Um, I'd seen, I'd seen whose line, whose line is it anyway on TV yeah. like twenty years earlier, <laughs> and thought that's really cool, but then I'd sort of forgotten about it, and then saw the May Days, and they were just doing these improvised musicals, and it just blew my mind seeing them. And I thought, wow, I, I need some of that. There's something in there that's really valuable for me. Um, I didn't know what it was, but I just knew yeah. I, need to, I need to get into the heart of this. And then there's like, as, as the way things go, there's a couple of years gap you know, <laughs> until, I, <laughs> until I spotted, oh, look, there's an actual class. And, and so yeah. I joined, uh, started from there, yeah, with the May Days. And when you started, was it just uh, j jumping in with the short form stuff initially? Yes. So I went to a couple of drop-ins and then their beginner's class and, and a beginner's course rather. And I think my main experience, it was, it was short form. My main experience of it was utter terror <laughs> and, and going, God, I need this. I need this. I'm terrified of it and I need it. And just having both of these things going on and um, dragging myself to class. Like I'd just be thinking, have so many excuses about why right. I shouldn't, couldn't, why I can't go today. Oh, today's not a good day, etc. But I knew that I needed something in there. Um, uh, so yeah, it was quite a challenging process for me, but I just, there's something I wanted, something I needed to find. So there's something I've discussed with quite a few people when I've been talking to them mm. on the podcast. And it's the fact that, improv finds people when they need improv do you think that that was the same thing for you yeah um i think it was yes i guess to some extent that there was a moment when i became aware of 
that this would be a really good step for me. And I guess, you know, maybe that reason for that gap between seeing people doing stuff, going, that's amazing. Yeah. And then actually doing something. There was that gap there. And maybe that gap was me arriving at a place where I thought, actually, no, this is what I need right now. Um, yeah. And now it's very available. I mean, I was, you could all, I could make an excuse that, oh, 20 years ago, there wasn't much around. <laughs> um, but now, of course, it's everywhere. You know, anyone yeah. wants it. Uh, what do you feel that you get out of improv the most? I mostly, I love two things. One, uh, I'm going to cheat and go for three things. Um, <laughs> la uh, just uh, the laughter and connection that you can get as a group when you just find something and you've shared something amazing yeah. or beautiful and you're just like, oh. And like, even like me and you, right, we, we've, we know almost nothing about the rest of each other's life, but we've played yeah. some things together. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, I know Ian. And people say, well, you know. <laughs> Where does he live? Don't know. But <laughs> yeah, but I know something about your soul, you know, and you yeah. know something about me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I love that part. And um yeah, and connected to that, it would be the when I surprise myself through okay. being with someone else and we end up doing something that's completely new, completely fresh, and neither of us could have thought of it. Or yeah. planned it i love that and um yeah and i love the the connection you can find even when it's not funny but just sometimes there's a a telepathy and you like you just really really works with someone i sometimes think of it a bit like partner dance that you yeah. can have some you know some dances that are a bit a bit clunky and you're stepping on each other's feet and whatever but then yeah. sometimes it's oh yes and it just goes really <laughs> well and you're like oh yeah again 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 so, yeah. yeah totally i think what you said there about connecting with people and sort of knowing them but not really knowing them i think that's yeah. one of the really important things in improv is you're jumping into situations that require so much trust that you have each other's back that you just have to rely on that connection that you feel and even through zoom you can sense oh yeah this person and i were gonna do really well in this scene because we've got that little connection yeah totally um just and that is a beautiful thing to be held and supported by other people um yeah that you're not on your own and even if you do or say something weird your buddy will fix it <laughs> you know? and, uh, and 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 it all worked out yeah totally and it's like and the more you play with certain people the more you get used to them and yeah. i was practicing with the oikas last night for an, an example and i wasn't feeling great i'd had my second jab the day before and it was really taking its toll on me yesterday and through the yeah. session as the session was going on i was becoming sort of more and more weary and I could sense that my teammates had picked up on the fact that I wasn't quite playing how I normally would play, but they all had my back and I felt that they were like really helping me through scenes in a way that they wouldn't normally need to, but they picked up on the fact that, oh, today he needs this. Yeah, totally. That's a beautiful thing. To use the partner dance analogy, it's like if you, 
like some people are quite strong leads in dancing and some some people who are following like it to be strong and some people don't like it to be strong yeah and um yeah it's just something about tuning into someone even during a scene there's an intimacy <laughs> to ah right for example i'm imagining you yesterday it's like oh ian's like kind of more i sometimes think of it as yin if you think of like yin and yang like okay. more like you know he's not as playing as big for example as he might do normally I go, okay yeah. right cool so we're following in this direction today even if that's not how we normally do it this is yeah. where we're going yeah it's a good way to think of it nice analogy <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the last 18 months or so has been a very different world of improv and when we first went into lockdown what was your improv situation? Were you giving up regular sessions? Did you jump quickly into online? I was a big enthusiast for online. Um, I was very excited. Well, as in two ways. One, as an improviser, I was like, ah, oh, cool. I get to um, I get to learn and teach with a whole bunch of people outside my normal geographical restrictions and secondly I was a big enthusiast for what improv could bring people during what what we could see was coming which was yeah. um oh look there's going to be a lot of people feeling quite isolated quite shut down it's a bit depressing um what can we do to help people have a laugh, connect, feel human, um, connect back to joy and life, even when perhaps some of their normal avenues might have been shut down. So yeah. I was also a big enthusiast for that role that improv could play in um, supporting people. And I've spoken to lots of people this year who, you know, improv has really saved them or changed their life for the better. It's changed my life for the better. Um, which I've spoken about on the podcast many times before. Um, and in some ways, I'm super apprehensive about going back into more in-person stuff, just in life in general, not just in improv, but tr that idea of going back to normal, because I've actually been very happy in this nice little bubble I've been living in on Zoom for the last 18 months or so. How do you feel about sort of moving forwards out of this situation? I totally get the apprehension. <laughs> I was uh, I'm actually speaking to you today from Manchester. So I um, traveled up from Brighton to visit my parents, which is the first kind of big travel thing I'd done for a while. Yeah. And the train from Sheffield to Manchester was absolutely packed. And oh. I was like, oh no. And uh, I, I, I just hadn't been around that many people for a long, yeah. long time. Uh, so there's that, there's that aside. Also, in improv world, I really hope we keep the um, the gains from the last year um, yeah. because it's so great to be able to connect with people outside our geographical areas, and um, and there's so many people who, for example, just couldn't make it to an in-person class maybe yeah. they live in a remote place or maybe they have like accessibility needs and it would just 
the venue doesn't have wheelchair access or something like that, or, yeah. um, or they have small children and technically they could come, but to yeah. actually come would just be <laughs> such a lot of work to organize that yeah. it doesn't happen. So, um, you know, I really hope we can keep the gains from the last year because there are lo there's lots of good in there. Yeah. And I, I think just from lots of conversations I've had with people on this podcast, um, yeah. you know, people want it to stick around and if people want it to stay, I think it, it will definitely stay. Mm. Yeah. Which is good, especially because, you know, there are some people that have started improv troops with people in different countries. So the only way for them to make it <laughs> yeah, right. is to, to stick around yeah. online. And I think it's great. Like, so Liverpool Comedy Improv has gone back to in-person, yet Emma has still seen that there is a want for online. So currently still exists on a Wednesday that there's an online drop-in. So it's definitely here to stay, I think. Yeah. And so you mentioned you're in Manchester now and that you're from Manchester, but that you live in Brighton. How yes. did you end up living in Brighton from Manchester? Oh, blimey. Well, it was quite a circuitous, circuitous route. Uh, I lived in, I, I studied Russian at university, oh. lived in Russia for a while, in Belarus, to be more accurate. Um, and then it was time to come home, basically. And uh, my partner at the time was from close to Brian. And, because when you when you're coming back from a different country, it's like, well, where should we start? You know, like, <laughs> could be yeah. anywhere. And she said, "Oh yeah, Brighton's nice. Let's go to Brighton." So that's how that's how that happened. Almost. Uh, wow. On there, I like. Oh, let's start here. Uh, so, what was it like to live in Belarus? I've never met anyone that's lived in Belarus. What was it like to live in Belarus for? Um, and of course, the answer to that depends on who you are. Um, but <laughs> for me, as a young sort of Westerner, it was, um, I really connected with the people that I really enjoyed, um, the friends that I made and the, the things that we did together. And I found, yeah, just my personality just really fitted really well with the, the way my friends were um and as well as that this is back in the like, like sort of mid 90s right. um it was also physically quite hard um right that i it's like if you think we have a convenience culture now it's like <laughs> the opposite the opposite of that so it's an inconvenience right. culture <laughs> of uh you know just to do simple things like um getting shopping you know it's like right so it's minus 20 degrees outside you walk to the uh, over the ice to the tram stop you squeeze onto a tram half an hour to get to the market you get the market you buy your stuff uh it's really heavy then you just come all the way back so that would be like a whole morning um of quite <laughs> you know quite hard work um physical work so um yeah it's quite physically demanding um as well which was fine for me when i was you know i was young and strong so you know <laughs> it was fine <laughs> but it was simple things was a, were a lot of work back then yeah. yeah so were you working out there yes i was a translator for oh. the um uh for a little branch of the world bank in minsk 
Awesome. And what prompted you coming back to the UK? Uh, it was time to come back. Right. Was, was basically it that um, it was physically hard. I mean, at the time, um, the life expectancy for a man living in Minsk was 60. Right. So like that was on my mind. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so if I stay here, this, you know, this might not be great for my long-term health. Um, I'm, I'm sure things are different now, but that was how it was then. Um, and yeah, and also because of course I was earning like local wages, so that didn't right. go far in terms of coming back. So I thought, well, if I, if I don't come back soon, then it's going to get right. harder. So, so that that was that. Yes, yeah, just a few factors coming together. But I was there for five years, and um, yeah. amazing experience. And um, yeah, Russia is just so interesting, and Belarus, which is a Russian influenced culture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I loved it there. Um, yeah. And then when you came back, did you stay in the same line of work or did you have to change profession? Yes, I was. A, I continued to be a translator, um, which is become, was be already becoming increasingly computerized. Uh, right. And so I was like, well, maybe I've done enough of this now. Uh, and I became, I, I, and I'd always been an English teacher in the background. Uh, oh. teaching English as a foreign language okay and um yeah and then I also became a therapist I was a hypnotherapist for 10 years wow um, and uh a teacher I used to teach um communication skills and like mini therapy skills to dentists and doctors to give them some little mini tools they could use yeah. in working with their patients and uh yeah, so there's just always been this thread for me of connecting. Wow. I think this is why this is what I loved actually. This, I've only just thought of this right now. Thank you for the question. Um, I, what I always loved about learning foreign languages is when you sort of make a noise and this other person does something or responds in some way, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like you know, this whatever you know. If they hand you a baguette or whatever it is, and you're like, oh, <laughs> like the, this thing happened. Um, and that just really reminds me of the improv feeling that I was talking about before, about when you're in a scene and everything and everything's working and you understand each other and you know where it's going. So um, similar feeling for me. Is it interesting? You saying about um, making noises uh, in different languages. The first yeah. thing that comes to my mind is something which was actually a fairly recent discovery for me is like to me for example cows go moo yeah um pigs go oink but then i discovered in other countries they don't go moo and they don't go oink they actually make no. different sounds <laughs> yes right <laughs> yes oh i think french cockerels go cocorico don't they um, <laughs> I remember the others but yeah some of them are quite surprising because they they sound to our ears quite different to yeah what we think 
But it's great because in an improv world, if someone is in a scene and you've said there's a cow and they say is that the cow goes ka-ching or something like that, <laughs> you just accept great. that that's the sound that cows make. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you about your hypnotherapy there because yeah. I'm interested by that. How, yeah. how do you become a hypnotherapist? Same way as you become anything else, in a way, you 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 train for it. Okay. Um, I'd say it's not uh, it's not fundamentally a very complicated thing. The uh, the value is probably most. I think I do, you just have to be someone who connects with people. I would say is what underlies it that. Um, Otherwise, you wouldn't enjoy it. And also, yeah. it's actually it's actually really well documented that one of the biggest factors in people's results from therapy, like how good outcomes they get, yeah. is basically how well they get on with the therapist. All right. Like it almost like what the um, it's it's sort of quite depressing for a lot of therapists because like oh no I've learned, really learned all these like, <laughs> skills and techniques, and in the end, like fifty percent of the outcome is just how yeah. well we get on um because we connection is healing i believe yeah and um i think that's what that's partly what i love about the improv but then also i think that's partly what's at work in in therapy world that um people can heal themselves in the right circumstances you know it happens and people go oh oh my goodness and they have an insight or they just feel different and um you know there are things that you can do but part of it a big part of it is creating the circumstances for it to happen right there was um ah there's a nice analogy um you know if a plant's not growing properly uh yeah. Yeah, I've seen it, it just gets posted around on the internet and stuff. It's like if a plant's not growing properly, you don't get annoyed with the plant and start trying to fix the plant. You go, ah, <laughs> oh, right. So has it got enough water? Has it got enough light? Does it need some fertilizer? You know, when you create the right conditions, then yeah, you know, it will grow in its own, own way. And I think people are more like that than we sometimes think. Yeah, it's a good way to think. And just in terms of the actual therapy itself hypnotherapy mm. if if you've got different people let's say one person came to you and said you know I, I want help to stop smoking another person said um i i want to be able to fly without feeling scared and another person said i'd like to go back and see if i had a previous life like is the is the technique the same or do you have to tweak the technique depending on what the outcome is to be yeah so I never have a script, you know, right. I'm always going to do like a, a certain recipe. So it's different every time. Uh, but what it boils down to deep down is um, in any in any situation we've got. Well, if we start with what what we define as a problem. So when what people bring is basically when. You on one level, you're thinking, ah. Ideally, I would be reacting to this situation in this way, but when it actually happens, I do something different. 
you know, for example, I've, I've thought about it. I've decided, you know what, my life would be better if I wasn't smoking. Yeah. But then whenever I see a cigarette, I stop getting an urge. I'm obsessing <laughs> about it, you know, and then I'm smoking again. I'm thinking, why on earth am I doing this? Or if someone says, well, I've thought about it and I, I know that flying these days is a really safe thing to do, but for some reason I'm yeah. not reacting as if it is. So that's my definition of a problem in, in inverted commas. Um, and that breaks down into how someone thinks about it, um, how they feel about it and what they do about it. So you've got those three yeah. areas. And you might have heard of cognitive behavioral therapy, like very yeah, yeah. common, yeah. So cognitive is the how you think about it, behavioral is what you do about it. Um, which are both are very important parts. And the bit that is often missing is um, how you feel about it. So um, we've all been in situations where we're like, ah, oh, I should be feeling confident now, but I'm not. Yeah. Or, you know, I, uh, uh, I logically, my life's great. Why don't I feel okay about it, for example? Yeah. Um, so the, the hypnosis part is uh, particularly useful for helping people have new emotional experiences around right. their triggers. So, for example, thinking about a cigarette and feeling, oh, uh, thank goodness I don't do that anymore. That's quite a different feeling to, oh, I've got to really, really try not to smoke that. Yeah. Uh, they're going to lead to quite different places. Or someone on an aeroplane, they can go, oh, look, there was a little sound then, a clunk. Oh, that's the wheels coming down. That means everything's fine. That's a completely different feeling to, oh my God, what was that? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's how, the, that's how the hypnosis part fits in with the broader CBT picture, yeah. which I, so I'd always address all three parts, basically, but often it's the feeling part is the, the stickiest for people. Right, yeah. So I know that you are into various types of, of therapy having looked at your website which is playconnect.co.uk yeah uh, i'd just like to talk to people a bit about what it is you you fully do yeah so i teach improv in a um in a particular kind of way um i mainly don't focus on the performing part it's like roughly in line with what we were talking about before. Um, I'm very interested in what we can discover about ourselves through yeah. improv, how we can, particularly for people who are perhaps a little bit overthinky, a uh, bit like perfectionist, uh, yeah. which is which is me, right? That's my background. <laughs> that's why. That's why I realise now. I knew that I needed improv, even though I didn't know why. Yeah. But it was pointing me to look, ah, oh, there's something about, let, there's time when it's good to let go of our structures and plans and to 
just feel into the moment and allow that to expand. Um, so I, um, I'm particularly interested in that side of it, um, the experience, helping people have the experience of doing it, using the body a lot. So I do a lot of movement um, and um, yeah, so we have lots of fun. I don't want to make it sound heavy, but in the process of having fun, in particular, um, I'm interested in helping people just expand into ways of being that they perhaps have not, they've banned themselves from going into for a while, for whatever reason, you know, yeah. through their history or whatever, um, to reclaim uh, their playfulness. I think a lot of us get our playfulness taught out of us oh yes right oh yeah i know you we, you just shared earlier in that you teach uh your primary school teacher yes and um so you probably see the children over like that almost like that coming up to that cusp i think it probably happens more at secondary school yeah but certainly my experience was um going to quite a serious school that's very academic and it was all about sitting down doing your homework, getting it right. And the way we judged whether it was right or not was you handed it to the teacher and they, a couple of days later, they hand it back and say that was either good or bad or whatever. So it was a very, it was a completely externally referenced um, framework of what was good or bad, um, what was right or wrong. Yeah. And um, there's a place for that. Obviously, you know, two and two is four. That's just how it is. But it missed a whole other framework, which is, oh, what do I want to express right now? Like, what feels good right now? What would help me flourish? What, 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 um, what do I want to create today? That whole part was missing. And um, so I love helping people reclaim that particularly if they've had that kind of similar kind of experience um so that's partly what we do we like reclaim our playful free expressive uh sides yeah and that sounds great just thinking about the the school thing and having sort of the fun sucked out of you a lot of people that i know when i ask them about school and memories like i know so many people that just have such disdain or oh, hated school uh, blah 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 and it just goes on and they about how much they hated school so i see it as my role with the children i want them to be happy in school and really enjoy their time in my class so even if the rest of school after their time with me they they do not like hopefully when they do look back in future they'll at least say oh well i i did enjoy that class because I was able to be myself in there. And that's really what I think schools lack in so many ways. They care all about these exam results and comparing ourselves to the results of other countries when really we're trying to create a society that is happy and can work together. And that's really what school is to me. It's an opportunity to show people you are going to live in a world full of different people that think differently. And you're all going to need to work together to succeed. And some people you're going to really like, and some people you're not going to 
perhaps gel with them, but you're going to have to tolerate them. And these are the things that I think school should be about being happy in yourself, knowing who you are and knowing that just because you can't remember specific things to write down on a piece of paper doesn't mean you don't have value. Oh, I mean, what a, can I come to your class? <laughs> if, uh, what a gift, what a beautiful gift to give someone to arrive at some point, you know, during their childhood, their teenage years, to be happy in who they are. Oh, what a gift, because otherwise what happens again and again and it kind of happened to me but it happens to many many people we begin to source our self-worth from outside yeah through perfectionism people pleasing um overachieving um being too driven um make being desperate for everyone to like us instagram likes like all of that all to me comes down to the same root it's yeah. all attempts to derive self-worth from outside ourselves and yeah. it's a losing game and there are so many people suffer a lot um by ending up going down that path and for me it's all because somewhere along the line they were given a message or an experience of your value is determined by what someone else decides about you use your teacher or whatever yeah like one of the one of the things that children ask all the time is you know what do you think of, of this uh, what do you think of this work and i always say to them well what do you think of it because that's really more important <laughs> yes yeah absolutely yeah yeah um and 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 also like um what was the process like, you know, like if they've been, I don't know what you do, but if, if they've been drawing a picture or creating a piece, of, uh, a performance piece or whatever it might be, like that's the other bit that's missed, right? Is, or did you enjoy making this? Even if we make it and then throw it away, like an input, yeah. right? Well, that was one of the beautiful things. It changes the whole paradigm because once it's done, it disappears. It's like a yeah. Buddhist sand mandala. You know, when they just make it, make it, make it. And then yeah. it's the second it's finished, just throw it away. <laughs> it's gone. And we start again. But there can be a richness in the process of creating it, yeah. um, which is often missed, isn't it, in education? Oh, totally. And just, just having a, a sense of satisfaction for things that you create, I think that's really important. But it's too easy. Like, I see people all the time mock someone that's laughed at their own joke and just like well they're making themselves happy that's the most important <laughs> thing in life it's like <laughs> when i was uh when i used to write a lot more songs and i was like performing with my band and things like that i reached this point where actually it doesn't really matter what other people think of these songs as long as i like them and the band like them and we're having fun playing them and then people would ask me is your band any good like, what a weird question to ask someone like you don't go to a builder and say oh are you any good He's not going to, and if you were to say, are you any good? He's going to say, well, yeah, I'm the best builder in town. So as a musician, I used to, if people say you any good, I say, yeah, I'm great. Come on, come and see me. Yeah. <laughs> and then it comes across as arrogant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's a piece in here as well that I think is important around um, the themes that we're talking about, that it's a sort of social piece that increasingly we've been taught 
to source our pleasure from outside ourselves as well. Oh, yeah. So it's and it's been repackaged what was play or creativity or dance or whatever gets repackaged as entertainment and um, our quote unquote leisure time is about being passive passive consumers of someone else's creativity so yeah. watching netflix whatever you know that's fine but it in, in modern society is often squeezing out the the joy of our own creation and you making your music in the band this is what a part of the improv piece for me is like hey we can enjoy creating something together because that's part of being human regardless of regardless of anybody like if anybody likes it or not we don't yeah. care i always get my when classes i often we have a little chant that we kind of do which is which involves like nobody cares because <laughs> nobody cares whether we do it quote you know well or not um it doesn't matter um uh, but what's the important part is are we reclaiming our our creative spirit yeah and enjoying doing that okay and lots of people won't put themselves out there because they're afraid of embarrassing themselves and you know i i tell children or even adults often like can you remember what the news headline was last wednesday and i'll be yeah. like no and i'll be like well yeah and if you go out there and you do something and and it goes fantastically wrong no one's going to remember in a week so it doesn't matter <laughs> yes exactly there's some kind of famous person says something like um uh, we would worry a lot less about what other people think about us if we remembered how little they often do <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's nobody like, cares they've all forgotten 20 like, minutes later <laughs> the end of the year there's always like a quiz of the year and like 90 percent of the people can't remember like any of of the information even though it was super important at the time yeah yeah yeah. really big things and <laughs> yeah. like and there's a little devil from inside most of our brains that goes that even during that quiz of the year it's like oh yeah but what about that improv scene that I did like six months ago and it didn't really work. And like, you know, that's still there in our minds, um, <laughs> but it's gone. It's like, it doesn't exist anymore. And as you say, no, nobody minds. And any, how can I put it? Any, any person that I would like enjoy hanging out with, even if you play your first trumpet solo and it goes a bit weird, yeah their main reaction would be like good on you for like um stretching yourself you know and yeah. and expressing yourself people aren't as harsh critics to each other as we imagine in our own heads we do we're usually quite critical of ourselves yeah um and then we kind of project that on other people and think that everybody else is obsessing about some tiny thing that we did ages ago and of yeah. course they're not and think of how you would i mean you ian but um some anyone listening um think of like if your friend put on a play or put on an improv show or whatever and you go along and you watch it and it's it's fine you know um you know maybe it's not amazing to watch but it's fine just imagine your attitude towards them 
you probably would just be like, oh, good on you. You know, what a cool thing to be reclaiming that spirit in yourself and putting yourself out there and stretching your limitations and like trying new things and going outside yeah. your comfort zone. You don't sit there going, oh, well, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? You know, it's <laughs> like you wouldn't do that. And other people generally you know, do it to us. In reality, we, do, we only imagine it. Yeah. Totally. Uh, well, I've just seen the time. We're, we're coming towards the end here. Uh, but this has been a really great chat. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Ian. I love chatting with you. Uh, so have you got any places where people can find you if they, if they want to connect with you online, perhaps come to some of your sessions? Yeah, um, go to playconnect.co.uk um, and have some... Best thing to do is join the news, news list and I'll have some taster classes I have taster classes that come up sporadically and then some courses. Um, I tend to go in a little bit of a rhythm. So the best thing, if there's nothing available right now, just join the newsletter list and then I'll tell you when it is available. Okay. And just uh, give us a very brief overview. If people come on and, and they sign up, I know we spoke about it a bit before. What could they expect from like a session number one? Oh, well, my... Um, I mean, the best thing to do is to come to a taster class, which is just a way to, you know, feel out what it's like. Okay. Um, we, we use movement, we have fun. One thing I do that I think is a little bit sort of special to me is we deliberately address things like confidence and fear and shame. Okay. And, you know, we kind of do little warm-ups to just help people um we'll build their confidence and explore in a fun way um yeah ways ways to safely get past some perfectionism barriers and things like that so um yeah i would say if you feel like and universally um people people come to my taste of classes going oh my god i am terrified <laughs> and then by the end they're like oh my god When's the next one? So, you know, I, I think that's, if you, people feel like that, then that's probably a good bet. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure yeah. talking to you. Yeah, great talking to you, Ian. And uh, I'll hopefully see you on the improv circuit soon. Yeah, will do. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much to Andy. I really loved that chat and I hope that you all enjoyed listening too. I found that chat, as I said earlier on in his podcast, it was thought-provoking, it was inspirational, and it really made me focus on a belief that I have and it's a belief that if, if you can just start by liking yourself, then everything else will fit into place. And improv is a really great way to start liking yourself. So... If improv is something that you're just getting into or you've been doing it for a long time, just take a moment to reflect on everything that's come into your life that is good since improv started and think, has improv had an impact? Has improv helped you to better yourself in some way? Has it helped you to like yourself more? And we spoke in that podcast about the trust that you have with sometimes people that you've never met before and you're jumping straight into situations and you've got each other's back and I think that's what the improv world 
really good at. It's good at just showing you that there are good people in the world, people from all different walks of life that, yes, you, on a deep and meaningful level, probably do not know very much about and perhaps never will. But you can sense their goodness and you can sense that, yes, this scene is going to be okay because we've got each other's backs. And I think just surrounding ourselves in an environment where it's okay to yes and and know that everything's going to be okay because the people around you are awesome, I think that's one of the great things about improv. So we should all just take a moment to really just celebrate what improv actually brings to our life because those of us that are involved in improv, we're all there for a reason and I think it's because we've unlocked a secret that the rest of the world is still waiting to discover. And if you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram we are at Live Comedy Improv. You can also check out our Facebook page, just search on Facebook for Liverpool Comedy Improv Cast and you'll see all things regarding the show on there. New episode link gets dropped every Monday and every Thursday we have a trailer for the upcoming episode. So if you're not on that page yet, get on there, follow the show and start spreading the word. And if you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make the arrangements as soon as possible. Perhaps you're someone that's involved in the community and maybe you've been on the show because many of you have now and you know of other people that you think hey i think they'd be good on the show then try and contact them see if they're interested get in touch with us and we really do want to make those interviews happen if you are listening on apple podcasts please uh, subscribe to the show give us five stars give us a review anything like that really helps to give us a boost and get our name out there i'm ian luke jones and if you're interested in all things me you can find me on social media i'm on facebook twitter instagram and youtube just search for ian luke jones and you'll find everything that you could possibly ever want uh, to know about me uh, that i'm willing to share on social media on all of those sites uh, particularly my youtube do go there subscribe and check out my whole array of videos that i have for you and that brings us to the end of today's episode it's been another great one and i hope that you have enjoyed listening as much as i have enjoyed putting it together and bringing it to you but before i go here are some words as always that are wise 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 always remember whatever the situation to treat life like improv and yes and <laughs>